Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what does it look like to identify a safe church. How do we know if the church we're attending is safe when it comes to abuse? But before we jump into that content today, I just want to take a moment to remind you of the resources over at chrismoles.org. In particular, we've been talking about PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership site and uh, has a a wide variety of resources behind a paywall, including masterclasses with experts in the field of domestic abuse, toolbox items that can help you in your counseling and practice immediately. It's got uh, extra resources, bonus resources, uh, live Q&As, Facebook, private Facebook community, all of these things available to you as a people helper, and if you find the PeaceWorks podcast to be helpful, we would recommend that you consider joining PeaceWorks University. All right, friends, let's jump into today's topic. So the question is, how can an individual determine if their church is a safe place from abuse? And it's a tricky question because the reality is that no one can be 100% certain that their particular church is going to handle cases of abuse well or that their particular church is prepared for a uh, specific form of abuse or a complex uh, form of abuse. But what we can do is maybe set some standards out there uh, that we can look for that may uh, indicate to us that the church is attempting to be a safe place and have confidence that the systems that they put in place um, are are preparing them or positioning them to handle abuse perhaps better than maybe some other churches. Hey, this would be a good time to, to talk about a resource real quick before I jump into the points today. And that resource is uh, Becoming a Church That Cares Well for the Abused. And that was a resource that was produced by LifeWay. Uh, Full disclosure, I was a contributor on that work. It's both a book and a digital course. The digital course is 100% free. You can go to churchcares.com to sign up for that. And the book, uh, you can buy that book at cost. Or you can get the PDF version, uh, no cost, no obligation. So churchcares.com. That would be a great resource if you're wanting your church um, to position itself as a safe church. So in our discussion today, I'm going to borrow some points from a friend of mine. Um, Last year, or I should say the end of 2018, actually, I believe it was, I had the privilege of presenting or perhaps this wasn't 2019. Uh, anyway, you know, it's uh, at the time of this recording, there's, uh, we're still in the COVID pandemic, so I have lost all track of time. But in the not-too-distant past, I had the privilege of presenting at um, the Biblical Counseling Coalition on the topic of abuse, along with some friends. 
And one of the pastors came away from that event um, determined to consider this question. What does his church need to do to be a safer place? And he developed uh, 12 points that I want to walk through with you today. And the first is this. Does my church clearly present the gospel and clearly call men and women to repentance and faith? Now, that may seem like a very simple response or unrelated to abuse, but I think that's a great signpost if you're looking for a safe church. Does the church take sin seriously and the gospel seriously? Do they present the gospel regularly and call people to repentance? Number two, does the church practice formal membership for followers of Christ? Does the church practice formal membership for followers of Christ? Now, I know some of us may be leery of the idea of membership, or we've been in churches that value membership that have abused it. But I believe what my friend is proposing here is correct. Number one, if the church presents the gospel clearly and they call people to repentance, then membership becomes a vehicle by which they can enact uh, church discipline. That will be a piece that you'll, you'll see later in, in his list. And so having a covenant and a connectivity and agreed upon standards that could include aspects of abuse as far as violations go would be tremendously helpful to saying, okay, this could be a safe place. They take the gospel seriously and they take membership seriously. Number three, do they provide discipleship services and accountability for every church member? Are they serious about discipleship? This is a great observation by my friend who notes that abuse likes to hide. It likes to, to be in the shadows. And so what my pastor friend did was listening to us talk about abuse, he peeled back and he said, okay, what would safety look like in the, in the general, in the, in the ether, as it were, in the culture of the church? And he's saying, okay, the gospel has to be central and you have to take it serious. People have to be connected through membership and people must be discipled. Is the church serious about discipleship? Number four, is the church passionate about the image of God in everyday life? This is such a valuable point if you're thinking about theology. Does the church practice the theology of the image of God in everyday life? Does this particular church value people? And I think some of the places you can look is do they value their community? Do they value children? Do they value the least of these? Are they involved in community projects? It tells you something about their view of the image of God. Um, and that's a valuable point when looking for a safe church. Number five, does the church have a servant leadership culture? in particular at the level of leadership. This is such a valuable point that does the church value servant leadership, especially among the pastors, the elders, the deacons, and the staff. If we're going to be a safe church from abuse, then that has to begin with the leaders. Are they safe? Do they expect their leaders to serve or do they endow their leaders with a certain amount of authority? Uh, I would really caution you if the church leadership is unquestioned and top-down and dictatorial, uh, but instead valuing servant 
leadership. Number six, are they open and honest and biblical in their approach to relationships between men, women, and children? In other words, are they prepared to talk about those relationships in biblical ways and not just these terse, pseudo-theological ways? Uh, my friend, who I'll reveal at the end of my time, my friend actually uh, goes through and develops a, a small theology of complementarianism that is that values women, that values children. Does the church talk about these things? And then in that, they would naturally, openly confront deviations in much the same way they would confront uh Deviations from the image of God, as we said in the previous point. Number seven, does the church offer intensive care for those who have been abused or those guilty of practicing abuse? In other words, does the church have a biblical counseling response to those who are victimized and those who are abusing? Have we thought through that? Now, this particular church where where this discussion is happening, they have a community-based counseling center. And I think what is happening at this point is the pastor is processing, have we done the work necessary to develop a specific response? I'd so value this that instead of saying, hey, we've got a system that works for us, this pastor is saying, let's evaluate the current system that, that is working, that it's a great system, but let's evaluate where we are on this point. And that's something you can look for in a safe church. Does the church offer counseling responses to its people? Does it get involved in people's lives? And then secondly, have they engaged in specific responses to those who've been abused? It'll tell you a little bit about their experience and their track record. Number eight, does the church practice church discipline? Now, some may say, does that really make a church safe? Well, I guess, honestly, there are some churches who practice church discipline poorly, but if we're combining it with, with what we've already heard, if we're combining it with the previous seven points, then I think what we're establishing here is, does the church practice appropriate church discipline? In particular, from what you've learned about the church, do you believe that they would discipline abusive people, people who abuse their power? and refuse to repent. I think that's a, a huge win for safety. I just had this conversation with our board. We're rewriting our church's constitution and there is a statement about uh, church discipline there, but I didn't think it was strong enough. So I proposed a statement on safety and uh, my entire board agreed without question that we should include um, some clauses in our church discipline policy uh, based on 1 Corinthians 5, and provide um, a means by which we could directly excommunicate people who violate God's law in, in pretty significant ways, such as rape and sexual assault and so on, uh, and pedophilia and these type of things. So this was a, a win for us. But does the church you're investigating and talking to, do they practice church discipline? And what's their track record when it comes to abuse? Number nine, uh, does the church have a working relationship with local child services, juvenile judges, prosecuting attorneys, and law enforcement? 
it's the church engaged in the community. Like as you interact with the church leadership, do you sense that there is a us versus them mentality or has the church partnered with outside agencies? That's huge because then they have access to resources and relationships that are going to benefit victims and continue to serve to provide um, accountability. Number nine, uh, have, excuse me, number 10, have they crafted and implemented an abuse reporting policy? Do they have a policy in place? And this could go along with um, the the safe church uh, model, ministry safe, grace, or the becoming a church that cares well for the abused curriculum. Have they gone through a system of education for their leaders and have they crafted a policy uh, that they have in place? Now granted, again, policies, they can be formulamatic, they can be systems, and they can be abused. But having, um, having those in place and having thought through them tells you something about the leader's heart and their willingness to interact. At the time of, of this presentation, uh, my friend was in the process of discussing additions, I believe, uh, to their, their policy. I have a side note here. It says this topic should be discussed in church. Um, and that the deacons did this last fall in updating their policy. So their church policy was getting updated to make sure they know what they're mandated to report and then how they're going to handle non-mandated reporting. Number 11, cons- do they have an attorney on retainer for questionable cases? Now, I know sometimes um, that can be a little scary and are we just you know covering our rear end? Um, but especially among um, the church and larger churches, having an attorney um, available to ask questions for questionable cases to say, did we miss something? Are, are we missing something legally that we're required to do? Shows a lot of wisdom. And it also says, hey, we really want to respond well in cases of abuse. I think having those discussions are vital because many churches do not know the difference or or leadership, the difference between mandated reporting and non-mandated reporting, and they tend to err on one side or the other on all cases. And that's how you end up with churches who report nothing and try to self-police, and it's disastrous, especially in the area of child abuse and sexual assault. And at the same time, on the other extreme, the other ditch, you have churches who, who report everything and you end up endangering victims of intimate partner violence that would perhaps be safer or need safety planning uh, before there was an intervention. So this is important to have some legal counsel. And so does the church have an attorney that they've consulted on their policy to make sure their policy is in line with current local and state laws? And then lastly, does the church celebrate the power of the gospel? and practical examples of people the Lord's empowering to handle life. In other words, do we celebrate the victories? And I think this was one of my favorite points is one of the things I've seen a lot in churches in abuse cases is we want to celebrate if there's a restoration of the marriage, but anything else, anything else is kind of hidden under the rug. And remember, marriage is not our idol. Marriage is not our goal. We celebrate the gospel, the power of redemption, watching Jesus save souls and restore people. That is worth celebrating. Are we celebrating safety in our church? 
Uh, are we celebrating repentance? So those are 12 basic things that I think uh, may help you determine whether your church is safe. Now, let me tell you why I brought this up and why I use these particular points. Because I think the, the question is worded in such a way that um, it would be easy for me to come through and say, okay, the church needs to do A, B, C, and D to be a safe place and be very linear and very um, programmatic and not really think through what I'm being asked. We're not asking questions about some linear piece of paper or policy, although that's part of it. We're asking about a church, and a church is much more complex and relational and so and has so much more going on than just cases of abuse. And that's why I appreciate my friends so much who listened to presentations on abuse and took it seriously. Like he sat there and listened to us talk about abuse and the problem of abuse in the church. And he took it seriously enough to say, okay, what are the 12 things, or he came up with these 12 things that we can do as a church to present ourselves as being safer than we were. And I really appreciate that. If you'd like to hear this, I think it's available online. I'll try to find the link to the presentation for you. But this was presented at the Biblical Counseling Training Conference in Faith Lafayette. And I just gave you the bullet points, but it was a, an hour-long presentation uh, by Pastor Steve Viers. And full disclosure, Steve is a friend. I have a lot of respect and admiration for Faith Church. And it's things like this that endear me to Steve that he's willing to listen and learn and then develop some responses. And as I listened to this presentation and I was there live, um, one thing that kept rolling through my mind was that Steve was using a public presentation as an opportunity to process uh, with a group of pastors and biblical counselors what he was learning. And that takes a great deal of, of humility. So I wanna thank Steve for that presentation and I didn't give you all the nuts and bolts. I just gave you the, the 12 points, but I think what he's provided for us is a really good filter to begin our process, which is if we're trying to find a safe church, a church that's safe from abuse, what are some of the things um, that we're looking for? So let me run through the list one more time and then we will, we will wrap up. We will wrap up today. The first is, does the church clearly present the gospel and call people to repentance? Uh, the gospel being our uh, mode of transformation, does the church clearly present the gospel and call people to repentance? Does the church offer and insist on formal membership? Do they draw people into covenant relationships for added accountability? Does the church provide discipleship? So it's not just, we've got you as a member, now we can control you. It's the gospel has changed you. You're welcomed into membership. We're going to disciple one another in the word. Also adds a layer of accountability. Number four, is there a passion uh, for mirroring and serving the image of God? Has the, the theology of the Imago Dei, you know, saturated the church? And we can see that in how the church treats people. Number five, does the church have a culture of servant leadership, in particular among the pastors and elders and decision makers? Number six, 
does the church teach and model biblical forms of relationships between men, women, and children? Have they thought through their theology in such a way that is practical and productive for everyone in the church? Number seven, does the church offer biblical care, like intensive biblical counseling for those who've been abused and those who have been guilty of abuse? Having that type of track record gives us an opportunity to ask questions about how they counsel and how they've worked cases of abuse. Number eight, does the church practice church discipline and in particular for unrepentant abusers? Number nine, does the church have a working relationship with community-based resources like child protective services, juvenile judges, prosecuting attorneys? I can pause and say without a doubt that Pastor Byers, who crafted this list, uh, Faith Church has an incredible relationship with community-based resources, and it's growing every year uh, in their own community. Number 10, have they crafted and implemented an abuse reporting policy? Um, and could you see it? That would be another question to ask. Do they have an attorney on retainer that they consult? Somebody who's evaluating the legality of their policies and making sure they're in line with state and local laws. Number 12, do they celebrate the power of the gospel in people's lives? Do they celebrate the gospel? Well, guys, I hope this has been a helpful, <coughs> excuse me, I hope this has been a helpful uh, podcast today. I do apologize for that. That was crazy. Uh, I'm going to leave it in, though. Uh, this, is, um, this is as real as it gets, so I'm going to leave that in. Uh, I, I hope this has been a helpful podcast to you. A big thank you to the churches out there and the pastors out there, including Pastor Byers, who are processing and working and thinking through what it means to be a safe church. We so appreciate you guys. If uh, things like this are helpful to you and you are benefiting from the podcast, once again, can consider going over to chrismoles.org and checking out PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University, our online membership site, can provide even more resources uh, for you and your church. Once again, thank you guys for joining us today, and as always, God bless.